Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Hey folks, welcome to Insights, where our guest this hour is Grammy and Oscar-nominated singer-songwriter Allison Moorer. Allison joins Amy Wright in conversation today to discuss her highly admired music career, having recorded 10 albums of her own and written songs for many other artists including Trisha Yearwood, Kenny Chesney, Miranda Lambert, and Hayes Carl. They also cover Moore's upcoming EP, Wish For You, and her new book, I Dream He Talks To Me, a memoir of learning how to listen, both of which were inspired by her nonverbal autistic son, John Henry. Allison's an amazingly inspiring person, and we're so glad to have her on the show and for you to hear what she has to share. So thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Insights from Diddy TV. Hi, Allison. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. I like your braids. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so uh, where are you today? Are you in Nashville? or? Yes, I'm home in Nashville. Well, that's nice. You're, we're only down the road in Memphis, and so you must be enjoying the same kind of winter thaw that we're having <laughs> Well, a little bit. Yeah. I'm, I was happy to see the sunshine and uh, was out there a little while ago trying to see if I could see any buds on my uh, hydrangeas. We'll see. <laughs> okay. So here's, here's a question. If you're a hydrangea person, do you, uh, do you water your hydrangeas occasionally with um, iced tea or something else like that, that supposedly well, that gives it more color? This is my first year. Um, oh. I just planted these in the fall, so they're just little babies. So we'll see how they do. Um, I have been known to put coffee grounds on my roses, and um, I actually do think that that has an effect for the following year um, because I did it consistently. Um, I guess it was the fall of 2019 and 2020, I had great roses and I did last year too. So I'm also a big believer in uh deadheading and cutting back. So anyway, <laughs> so, so just one more, one more gardening question. Do you actually have a garden with uh, fruits and vegetables or just mostly flowers? I don't. Um, I tried to grow, so I don't have a very big yard. So, <laughs> so whatever I do, <clears throat> is either, sorry, <coughs> potted or in a raised bed. Um, so I, I have grown some vegetables, but I'm not that good at it. I'm much better at uh, growing flowers and stuff. And I actually get a lot more enjoyment out of that because I worry about the vegetables. Like, are they going to be good? Am I doing this right? Blah, 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 blah. And I feel this responsibility. So I just decided I wasn't going to do that anymore. I, I will grow my herbs. Um, because I love um, to have fresh herbs and lots of basil and cilantro and whatever I can, whatever else I can grow. But I draw the line there. Like there are plenty of people who know how to grow food. I'm not one of them. I'm going to pay them to do it. So, so I'm right there with you. I've tried to <laughs> tomatoes and a couple of other things, and they just didn't turn out for me. And it was very funny this year. My tomato plant. Uh, didn't produce any tomatoes, so I just forgot about it. And then it made a tomato in like November. Uh-huh. And then I was like, hmm, I don't know. 
Don't want yeah. to eat that tomato or not. So yeah, I, I sort of decided the same thing. And then I got a volunteer plant uh, last summer. Just I, I took out all my tomato plants. I was like, I'm not doing it. And then um, I, I guess some birds did some work and um, <laughs> a, a pop up, a, you know, volunteer plant that produced far more tomatoes than I ever would have done had it been intentional. <laughs> And I remember the summer before I had tried uh, to do some little sun sweet cherry tomatoes because my son loves them and I just gave up. But then that they just it was amazing. We got tomatoes every morning. That's that's awesome. Well, we're here, Allison, because you have written this lovely book. I dream he talks to me and um, also a uh, wish for you, which is the new the new EP that, that mm -hmm. you created as sort of a companion to this sort. book. Yeah. Sort of a companion, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I had the pleasure of reading um, a large portion of the book, and it's beautifully written, I have to say. Um, mm -hmm. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that. I wanted to go back a little ways, though, and just talk uh, as background a little bit about you and... Um, how you got started in music and a couple of things before we get to your book and the latest uh, EP. Where did you grow up? Were you a Southern gal or? Mm -hmm. I was born in Mobile, Alabama, and I grew up about 90 miles north of there and around. Um, very musical family. I moved to Nashville in 1993 when I was 20 years old and uh, with the intention of being a background singer, I sang with my sister. Shelby Lynn, right? That's your sister. Yes, my sister, Shelby Lynn. So I sang with her for a little while and then sort of fell into writing songs and then creating my own music. And it wasn't, you know, being a solo artist is not something that I grew up with the intention to do. I was always the harmony singer in my family and that's probably still where I'm most comfortable. But, um, and that's not to say it was an accident. It wasn't. I certainly wanted to make music, so I did. And um, so I've made 10 albums and, um, and now I've written two books. And this is my latest musical work, which um, is five songs centered around um, melodies that my son, John Henry, makes up. John Henry has level three autism, was diagnosed at 23 months and um, has a severe speech disability, which um, hinders his ability to communicate with words um, like you and I do. So um, I'd noticed that he was making up his own tunes and he had a couple that he repeated, which um, made me learn them, you know, just because I heard them. And so we sort of developed this way of communicating where he'll sing, uh, you know, the first line of his melody and then I'll sing the next one and we'll go back and forth. Um, so it's just uh, uh, after, you know, a lifetime of uh, making art, here I am um, with the culmination of all of that. And um, it feels like a really good place to land. So John Henry is your son's name. Mm -hmm. And um, take us back to when you first found out that he had autism, um, what were your expectations? How did you feel when you got that diagnosis and what did you think was gonna happen at that point? Um, John Henry was born in 2010 
and um, developed typically, um, or at least I thought I had no other children, so I didn't really have much experience, but everything was going along fine as far as I knew and his doctors knew and um, started developing language around the time he was a year old. And then um, about six or seven months later, that language, um, which had developed by that point to a vocabulary of, I think about 25, 26, 27 words, um, those words began to fall off. So he was developing vocabulary and then he stopped developing vocabulary and quit using the words that he had learned in sort of this slow process. So I had to put some pieces together. It was a long road to get a diagnosis for him because when kids are that young, there's a lot of waiting and seeing and um, which for me, I, that's one of my worst things. I hate to wait and see, I like to know. Um, <laughs> But anyway, it was a long road to getting him a diagnosis at 23 months. At that point, he had stopped talking pretty completely. Um, so we started a long uh, road of therapies at that point, which we're still doing. We're very lucky to have um, some really good resources. There aren't any real answers when it comes to autism. I think uh, when it comes to an expert on autism, well, the experts are really the parents and the caregivers. Um, and that's all to say that each person with autism is as different as you and I are. So um, what can be a confounding condition can also be an enlightening thing because what you figure out when you live, when you live autism long enough, which as John Henry's mama, I certainly do. And he does, um, you figure out that so much communication is actually nonverbal. Um, I think up to 90% of communication can be nonverbal. Um, and there are many, many ways to communicate besides through spoken language. Um, so that is enlightening. It's challenging, but it does um, require that I open my mind and my heart and my eyes and my ears and figure out, you know, the subtitle of this memoir is... Um, a memoir of learning how to listen. So even though my son is not saying, mama, mama, this thing or that thing, um, I have to look deeper, but he is communicating, you know, and he, he figures out ways to make himself known. Um, in addition to that, he has um, an app on his iPad that he uses. He uses some sign language and, you know, John Henry is very, um, He's industrious. He figures out ways to to be specific. You know, for instance, if he if he wants to go swimming, he'll bring me um, his swimming trunks. You know, so he he puts these things together, and um, he doesn't where he doesn't have a word, he finds a way. So, um, it's been you know, and will continue to be uh, something that's sometimes difficult, but I believe in finding the best in your situation. And um, my, my thought is we're going to be here anyway. We might as well have fun. Very <laughs> true. Well said. And so why write this book now? And what do you want people to sort of take away from this book? I, you know, that's a very good question. Why write this book now? I don't know. I'm sure I'll have four or five more versions of this book. Um, 
but I'm of the mind that I make the art that wants me to make it. So when things knock on my door, I feel like I have to pay attention to them. This book started um, before I was even finished with my first memoir, Blood, which came out in 2019. I was working on a rewrite of that book and had not even um, submitted it to publishers yet when this when I dream he talks to me started uh, started knocking on my door. So I actually had a, a couple of this, I dream he talks to me as an essay form. So I was able to work on it just a little bit to sort of form what it was gonna be. And then I came back to it later after um, I had finished writing blood. So I dream, I dream he talks to me. Is, is your dream that he actually talks to you or is your, are your dreams how you're communicating in your mind with him? Well, both. Um, uh, since he was born, I have had four dreams in which he has spoken to me that I can recall. I, I have a feeling I have a lot more dreams in which he's talking to me. But the four that I recount in this memoir are four dreams, are the four dreams that I've actually had that I can remember when he he told me something or he was talking or we were having an experience together. So those four dreams sort of make up four sections of this book. Um, it's, it's an interesting thing to hear his voice make words that I can understand. Um, it's very impactful. How have you changed as a person having an autistic child? Because, you know, when you're when you're raising someone with a challenge, it also changes you. And how has that changed you? In so many ways, I think um, becoming a parent changes you definitely. Um, at least in some ways. For me, becoming a parent made me define, made me better define who I was. Because I think when you're a young person and particularly when you're a young artist or maybe just a young person with an artistic sensibility, you can kind of, kind of float around and be less definitive about who you are and what it is your, you know, what your purpose is. So I think becoming a parent really defined that for me. Um, you know, autism is, is hard in the beginning. I did what a lot of parents do and what a lot of people would do, which is I snapped into action I researched everything I could research. I read every book. I tried every diet I did. I, I was in motion, motion, motion for a lot of years. Did that make you feel more in control? Well, sure. You know, to, to do something, yeah. We're taught that when something goes wrong, we have to fix it. Um, and particularly for parents, we want to fix things for our children. Um, and we'll do anything to do that. But... And there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. And, and let me say that I'm always on the lookout for anything that can help John Henry. And it's not as if I've stopped doing that. I just had to learn 
And this was through a lot of resistance. You know, it took, took me years to get here. It probably wasn't until I finished this book. It probably took me writing this book for me to get here. I realized that there wasn't anything to fix. Um, John Henry is, is whole and perfect as he is, and I do not need to fix things for him. Um, I want his experience on the planet to be as easy as it can be. So it is my job as his mama to try to clear obstacles to his full realization. But at the same time, I have to balance that with not really knowing what that is because I can't decide what his full realization is. Only he can decide that. Um, and I've always said that John Henry was definitely in charge of how he would do because luckily his father and I are, are able to provide a lot of resources that most people don't have access to. Most people don't get, um, you know, he is in an autism specific school in a lot of cities in this country and beyond that doesn't exist. You know, he's in a population that is just about autism. He isn't in what they call an inclusive classroom in the public schools or um, even a special ed or autism classroom within it. You know, it's just, he's in a very good situation. And I'm very grateful that we have been able to surround him with people who were just trained to deal with, with autism and trying to untangle some things. That's what I call it. It feels like things got tangled up somewhere. Um, it's not necessarily about changing him, but about him learning how to control the behaviors that keep him from being able to learn, you know, because such a short attention span often comes with autism. And in particular, John Henry's case, um, he's very ADD and he also has OCD. Um, getting some of those things more under control so that he can concentrate longer to learn um, how to be in the world better is really what his therapy is about. It's also about engaging him academically um, and figuring out the best ways to, um, to reach him academically, um, providing him ways to read, to communicate, you know, all of those things. We just have to figure out what way he's going to respond the best. So it's a lot of guesswork. It's a lot of detective work, but um, that's all to say, um, whatever he wants to do, I want to be there to support it. It just took me a while to understand, I guess, what life was going to look like for us. And whoever knows what the answer to that question is, you know, that can change on a dime at any point on any day. Um, but, you know, I like to have a plan. I like to um, try to be in as control as possible, as you said. <laughs> so um, I just had to, I guess, learn more balance, except that it wasn't my job to fix it. And try to keep perfecting that that old dance of holding on and letting go all at the same time and that's you know that's what being a mama is all about i guess well that's the uh that's what i took away from the book is it's so much about your love for your son and what you you want to do for him 
and just to make his life better. And one of the, the parts of the book I read about was sort of celebrating the small victories mm-hmm. and maybe not looking for something that's really huge, but, you know, a small victory that you can celebrate each day when there's success. And I thought that was beautiful. And you had a couple of stories. So tell me a story about some, one of the victories that, that you experienced with him. I think you were talking at one point about swimming. Well, uh, I think it's important to note that, you know, small victories are something we should all celebrate. Here's something that autism has taught me that I never really considered before. It is damn hard to be a human being. And the machines, the sophisticated machines that we are, are it's incredible what we can do. And when our minds link to, I don't know, how can I tell my finger to move? You know, it's amazing what has to happen in order for my brain to produce that command and get it to my finger, right? So I just, when it comes to celebrating small victories, you know, waking up, sitting up, putting your feet on the floor and getting up out of the bed is actually a whole lot of work when you think about it, when you break down what has to happen. And then, you know, when you, when you look at an infant, you know, and all of the learning and growing that they have to do in such a short period of time in order to start talking and walking and all of that development and all of that, that neurological activity and growing and physical, it's just, it's incredible to me. And when you, when you cons- again, consider that in the natural world, you know, um, I think it's true that every note in the musical scale can be found in nature. And when you think about music and talking about this EP in particular, you know, one of the things that my son has taught me is there is music in everything. You know, absolutely everything. How this EP started was, you know, here's here's one of those. Wish for You is the EP. Right. Wish for You is the EP. So here's one of those examples of celebrating little things or seemingly little things. So this EP began, it exists because John Henry was at the park with a teacher one day, one summer day. And he got on a glider, one of those things that goes back and forth. It's not a seesaw, but it's kind of, you know, it's the same motion, but it doesn't go up and down. It goes back and forth. And this one was old and rusty and it had a squeak. So as she was moving it back and forth, John Henry started to stomp his foot in time with it. And it was making this kind of sound. And he was listening to that sound feeling the rhythm and the tempo. And he started singing along with it with his own tune. So the beginning of the EP actually starts with that recording because she gave me that video and I was, I gave that to Kenny Greenberg who produced and wrote this, this uh, EP with John Henry and me. And he made a loop of that. And I wrote all we have is now to that loop. So what was just a small moment turned into a five song EP. Well, and you, uh, you said that he hums these melodies. 
Did you start to notice the same melodies, him humming the same melodies, and did you record them? And and um, what was that process like? Well, yes. Um, so I noticed probably three or four years ago that he was making up his own melodies, and he had um, a few that he would repeat. So of course I started following him around with my phone. So you can. There's also um, a little snip of John Henry singing one of his main melodies that I think makes up three, three, it's on three songs, I think, maybe in all the songs. I don't know. There are a couple of different uh, sort of uh, phrases that he, musical phrases that he came up with that I used on this EP. So um, you can actually hear him singing it on the beginning of Wish For You, the song. We know the the EP stands alone, and it, it's such a beautiful story that these melodies started with his his melodies, and they they evolve into these beautiful songs. And I was kind of wondering the process of that, and taking some snippet of this melody, and then it just took off musically mm -hmm. and lyrically. Well, and that's just you know that's all down to creativity. I am. Um, um, it's funny, my friend um, Elizabeth Cook, I had I had played this, we had supper not too long ago and I played this EP for her and she said, I'm just so happy for you. She said, sometimes it's just hard to find a musical pearl to hold on to. And, you know, a theme or a point or a reason for making what you're making. And, you know, as I said, I, I make the art that wants me to make it. Um, and that's, that's just my approach these days. And this, this definitely knocked on my door for whatever reasons. Uh, I guess, you know, I have a mind that works like that. I hear something and I'm like, Hmm, well, what does that mean? And what could you do with that? And uh, you know, I'm, that's just sort of where I live in my mind, but it was also, you know, I had to bring a lot of willingness to the table because how this music started was I had those melodies. I had garage band, some instruments, and a whole lot of willingness in the middle of my uh, my workroom floor just to, to be as open as possible. So I started with those melodies and I, I said, you know, I'm going to work with beats here because um, I wanted to get out of my comfort zone for sure. I also wanted to make it interesting. I also knew that these melodies didn't really sound like anything I would come up with. So I wanted to try to channel what I was feeling and the joyness, the joyousness and um, sort of psychedelic feel of, of what I know about John Henry. You know, I wanted to bring those things to the table. I wanted to, to draw those feelings out. To me, listening to the music, it had an ethereal quality to it, which sort of in my mind was taking me back to I dream he talks to me because there seemed to be this, you know, space in all the songs, and it was lovely. Well, thank you. Thank you. It definitely um, is ethereal in, in its language. You know, I, um, uh, for a lot of it, I felt I was in a meditative state, particularly with writing the lyrics. You know, it was just very... Um, unstudied. I wasn't trying to make it make sense to anybody but us. 
and be also be minimal with my language because I wanted I wanted the lyrics to to appeal to him and I know that the fewer words you can use the more direct your message is so was writing the book and um, creating the music cathartic for you or difficult? It was, there was nothing hard about this. You know, it, that actually made me question it a couple of times. It's like, I'm not agonizing over this. Does that mean it's terrible? Um, and I decided that the answer was no. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> that it wasn't. It just meant that I was hooking into the joy of it and allowing it to be what it wanted to be. I wasn't trying to force it into anything. Well, I, I do love it. Are you going to be touring anytime soon or what's next for you? Not with this music. It would just be impossible to recreate it. So I, I doubt that I will tour this at all. Um, I'm going to, I'm touring minimally this year. Um, I've got, a few shows of my own in the spring, but the most exciting news is I have a tour with my sister coming up, which um, will be the end of April, and those dates will be announced this Friday. Um, whenever that is. <laughs> well, it's very exciting that we're all yeah. able to get back out and see live music. And I know, we're, we're very excited to see everyone. So that will be the end of April. Well, please say hi to Hayes for me and uh, um, we wish you the best with I Dream He Talks to Me. And let me just show the book one more time because it's just a beautiful book. And, uh, and a beautiful wish for you uh, EP that is separate but sort of companion to the book on a certain level. And um, we really appreciate the fact that you stopped by and talked to us about it. Thank you, Thank Allison. You. So good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. Take care. Bye. Thanks to Allison Moore for joining us on Insights today. Be sure to visit alisonmoore.com to order your copy of her upcoming EP, Wish For You, as well as her new book, I Dreamy Talks To Me, a memoir of learning how to listen, both of which were inspired by her nonverbal autistic son, John Henry. From all of us at Diddy TV, thanks for tuning in today, and we hope you'll join us again soon, right here on Insights. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.